Welcome back to the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. When you think TNA, when you think TNA, you don't listen to us because we don't talk about it. But when you think about NXT and some of the best non WWE products out there, you think of one man. When you think of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, that's Zach Zimmerman from ProWrestling.net. Zach, when anybody uh, asks me about if they want to listen to a podcast about NXT, tell them to listen to you. And we're always happy to have you on the show. How are you doing today? And uh, if you'd like to tell anybody quickly about ProWrestling.net before we get started. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, good to be here. Always fun to talk a little bit of wrestling. Uh, yeah, ProWrestling.net. We've got all your wrestling covered. Um, everything North American, pretty much. I mean, we've got audio reviews, text reviews of all the major shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, even Impact. Uh, in whatever form that returns in somewhere down the road. Um, coverage of, of Ring of Honor, uh, try to do as many of the independents as they can. And we've got Jason Powell uh, running the site, and he's, he's got his finger on the pulse. He's got a bunch of great sources, um, breaks a bunch of first-run news, always gets interesting uh, opinions and analysis from other people in the business. Um, so, yeah, we, we, uh, we try hard for, for everyone over there, ProWrestling.net. Um, we have a membership option. It's add-free access to the site, gives you a bunch more audio access to 400 so uh check it out for wrestling.net perfect uh, yeah, Zach, uh thanks thanks for coming on for sure we we definitely appreciate it you uh we definitely follow your work on nxt and we we agree it's tremendous um obviously the big news of the week is that cm punk vince mcmahon you know uh that interview um so we you know i checked you out on twitter uh i think it's at zach zim is that dot net is in, D-O-T-N-E-T-Z-I-M. That's it, that's it, okay. And we checked you out on Twitter, and you had a lot of interesting comments um, about it. Um, you seem to think, um, just from your Twitter remarks, that he, he seemed um, quite a bit disingenuous. Um, what were your thoughts on the overall um, interview on the, on the podcast as a whole? I mean, Vince is definitely an interesting list, and I think Steve Austin did a, a, about as good of a job that was this. It was a really tough position for him uh, uh, going into it. I, I had I had some real concerns, but I mean I think he pulled it off excellently. He kept his credibility, and he got Vince to, to kind of I mean I guess open up a little bit. But uh, like you said, I I'm I'm nature one, and and I've I've heard enough uh, about Vince. I just I think a lot of that was just for him to say, and uh, I, I think that was kind of kind of apparent when you know, during the CM Punk apology. And, uh, there, you know, there were even a few times where Stone Cold kind of had to give him that look. I, I think I might have done it a few more times than Stone Cold did, but you just kind of, kind of, you know, tilt your head and look at Vince and be like, really, man, come on, you give it to me straight. Cause it, it, I think there was, was a lot of, uh, I don't know, Vince's kind of revisionist history or uh, his refusal to kind of internalize. Now, do you think that, we're going to get a lot more of this on the network with uh, if the because like this was December first was the end of the free preview, the free pay per view, the free everything for the WWE network. Do you think that we're going to see more of this type of Stone Cold podcast that actually seems like kayfabe is dead for that hour, or do you think that this is a one shot deal? And if it, it was just the cards working to place with CM Punk coming out as announcements. And everything else. Well, I, 
was for sure. I think they did a really good job with it. It was, it was fun. The hour went by quickly. It was easy to watch. Um, so I would definitely enjoy seeing more of them. But, I mean, I think the real how, how Vince McMahon walked away from last night feeling. You know what I mean? Did he get up and walk off set and go, oh, that was great. we, we got to do more of these. And, yeah, they'll probably do more of them. But if he walked off set and was like, oh, you're killing my business, you know, then I, I think we're not going to see any more. So, I mean, obviously Vince is a guy who calls the shots, and uh, so it's all up to him after last night. Uh, speaking of guys who we would love to see live with the WWE Network, uh, one CM Punk, uh, Vince did publicly apologize. Um, uh, supposedly he had some type of closed-door meeting with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon uh, before Raw started, so we don't know what happened there. But um, he did publicly apologize. Um, he also said he'd like to have him back at some point. Um, what were your thoughts on his comments, on his apology, and his comments about wanting him back at some point? I think the apology was disingenuous. I think he was just kind of trying to save face uh, in light of some some pretty unflattering accusations on Punk's end. So I think he was just trying to, you know, they probably worked it out ahead of time what would be the most professional way to go about things. And I think they realized how unbelievably petty it is of them to have sent CM Punk his papers on this wedding day. I don't believe for a second that that was a coincidence like Vince said. So I think maybe maybe in light of uh, that being made public, maybe they kind of felt uh, like asses a little bit. So, yeah, maybe he apologized from that standpoint to just try to save a little bit of faith. But, I mean, I think if you got Vince alone in a room and asked him his thoughts on, on, on CM Punk, on Phil Brooks, I think he would uh, he'd call him a quitter and he'd probably uh, not, have, uh, not be as kind in tone as he was uh, last night. I think Vince knew he had a lot of eyes on him last night, a lot of ears, and uh, that, that showed. Now, before we get back to Punk and McMahon, I just want to get your point. One of the guys who I, I love his work, and he was just one of the stars of the first NXT uh, special, as we're going to call them, was Cesaro. And I don't know if this was something that took Vince uh, off his guard, but when Austin brought up Cesaro... I know that from reading your tweets, you thought he buried him. Do you think that is there anything that Cesaro can actually improve on? Or do you think Cesaro is a product that, in Vince's eyes, is going to always be what he is? He, what he is, as long as he's in the environment that he is. Uh, I, I mean, I think if you if you you know put him in the suit every week and you kind of let him figure himself out and he was very European, Antonio Cesaro or whatever he wanted to be. Uh, I think he could go out there and be a big-time star. But uh, Vince doesn't see that he has it, or Vince, you know, that he doesn't have it. And uh, I think that's going to hold him back. Vince clearly, you know, I, I just thought it was bizarre that, you know, one of the things he pointed his finger at was, was that, well, uh, he, he kind of lacks a little bit of charisma. It might be that he's Swiss, you know, that European style, which I don't even know what that means. I don't even know if Vince knows what that means. But I think there's no secret that Kevin Dunn doesn't like guys with accents. And so I think that probably has something to do with it. Uh, they may see it as a flaw, whereas I think the vast majority of people would just see it as um, diversity. You know what I mean? Much needed diversity among the roster that's really bland. Uh, you know, if you're going to put Cesaro out there with a scripted promo that a writer wrote him, sure, he's probably not going to go out there and, and, and be the best interview guy. But if you, like I said, if you let him find his personality and his character and go out and do things in his own voice, I think he could be a big star. Like he was already starting to get over, and they completely dropped the ball with that. So 
I, I, I very much disagree with a lot of what Vince had to say on that. And I kind of wish Steve Austin uh, had, had pressed him a little bit harder on that. Um, I think I skipped part of one of the other questions, too, just about uh, Punk maybe working with them down the road. I'll just touch on this real quickly. I think they're going to be willing to work with anybody who can make them money, but I don't think Punk will want to come back. Um, so, Zach, one of the things I think that was interesting, one of the most interesting parts that come out of this is Vince McMahon saying that the, the roster is it's not the same type of guys that, that were there. Uh, maybe they're not as, as hungry or, or not as willing to kind of step on toes as the roster back in the Attitude Era. Um, and Stone Cold, and he's done this on his podcast before, challenging these guys to find your own voice, don't be afraid to step on toes, and those sort of things. Um, what were your thoughts about those comments from Vince and from Stone Cold? I just think that's kind of rhetoric on Stone Cold's part. I think because he, oh, I, I don't want to say that he, he got lucky and got to where he got, but he, he easily could have maybe not gotten to where he, he was. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that, sure, maybe he, he, he grabbed the brass ring and stepped up. And he did, without a doubt, because he was, you know, the biggest star of all time. But I just don't think it's the same environment where today's stars could, could, could get themselves over the way Steve Austin was able to get himself over. And then again, it goes back to how overproduced and overscripted and overthought everything is. Guys, are, it, it's just the environment that they're in, nobody can get over. Yeah, so I mean, to, yeah. To say that there's a brass ring to grab, it's just like, well, you're not giving them an environment where they can grab that brass ring, you know? Yeah, he, he definitely contradicted himself, Vince did, when he, you know, basically Stone Cold was saying, you know, these guys are, Vince was saying they're not hungry enough and they don't want to step on any toes. And then basically Vince was like, well, don't, don't get yourself in trouble. Don't step on toes. So he wasn't really, he was saying that they're not hungry and don't want to step on any toes. But then he was basically telling them, don't step on any toes. So... <laughs> I definitely think Vince kind of contradicted himself there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought that he had some real, real honest parts to it. I think he was caught by Stone Cold. I don't know that he expected Stone Cold to be, like, as aggressive with the questions. Um, he definitely was thrown up by the Shazaro thing. And I agree with you. I, I like I like Shazaro a lot. But let me play devil's advocate on Shazaro for a minute. I love him. You love him. Corey loves him. I think he's one of the best in-ring performers in the world. Do you think that his, his promos have left something to be desired? Yes, they're overscripted and and those those sort of things. But do you think that his promos and his you know that his mic work has left something to be desired and is something that needs to be improved on? And do you think that he has been able to connect with the audience? Let me answer your question with another question: Has he ever had the opportunity? You know what I mean? Think of what his promos have been. They have been, I mean, brief one or two liners where he'll come out and, and you know, offer services to the authority and get shot down and may look like a drony. Um, I mean, honestly, like, just the more I think about it, like, what promos have we actually even heard Cesaro cut? Jacob got a good point That's there, true. absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, we can't, we don't have a lot of, of stuff to go on. Um, no, he's never, maybe that says something that I don't remember any of his interviews, so, so they can't have been that great. But again, I think it's because of, of what they were geared towards, how they were written. It's not like he wasn't saying anything that mattered anyway, so I would remember it. Now, I'm sure that you'll talk about this more on 
Dotnet Weekly with Jason Powell, who's been on the show before. But what do you expect to to hear? Do you think you're expecting a lot more re- revelations on the second part of the Art of Wrestling podcast when CM Punk takes questions from the fans, or do you think it's just what, what do you what do you think that that's going to be like? Uh, I mean, as far as that goes, I, I, I'm in the boat with everybody else. I'm just kind of waiting to see. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. But I think that, you know, I mean, I think he's going to continue to be honest. I don't think, yes, he was bitter. And he acknowledged for, uh, throughout that entire audio that he was bitter. But I don't think that he let the bitterness blind him. And I don't think he went out there and told any blatant lies or anything like that. I think he was telling his version of the truth. And I think he's going to do the very same thing. Um, as the quality of the show, I think it's, just by its nature, with Punk and Cabana together, it's going to be fun. Um, but I think, you know, how much more in-depth they go, what more we find out really depends on the quality of questions that people send us. And, and there was also, I think I saw something on Twitter that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, the, the email that they set up for Punk had crashed also. So, I mean, that could be a problem if that's not something they get taken care of, but uh, they have a knack for breaking the Internet. As far as the CM Punk interview goes, I thought it was fantastic. I thought he was honest. Uh, people kind of, uh, you know, Corey and I kind of debated some of the points. I think he was incredibly truthful because he really has no reason to lie. Um, he really, he bashed the company, but he didn't bash the company. It wasn't a shoot interview where all he wanted to do was rip the company. He was very honest about what's happening, about how it's stifling, how the company stifles guys. Um, you're on the inside, obviously, more than we are. So you kind of know what's going on a little bit more than we do, obviously. But was did Punk's interview change your impression of the WWE in a, you know, maybe more negative light as it has some people on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, it did. Because it was it was a firsthand response, um, a, a firsthand telling of, of, of exactly... Um, of, of exactly how far people are being pushed. I mean, people like me and like Jason and like, you know, other analysts in the business, we can, we can look at it all day long, all week long, all year long, for as long as we want and say, oh, these guys need vacation time. They need to, you know, they need days off. They need, uh, you know, insurance would be great, but I think a union is unrealistic. I mean, there are just, there's a lot of things that we can say, you know, they, they need these things, but until we have somebody like Punk to come out and say, this is why those things are needed, I'm, I'm Exhibit A, I will let myself be Exhibit A, um, flaws of, of this giant company who portrays themselves to be, you know, the, the happiest place on earth or whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely did change my perception. I, you, 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 you just know as a wrestling fan, there are some shady things that go on in the wrestling business, but uh, to hear firsthand that I mean a staph infection that that made it that that became a MRSA infection was was undiagnosed by a lazy doctor. I mean if that's entirely true, that's just that's that's terrifying, um, and it really really re- reflects negatively on the company. Now, when it comes to CM Punk, do you think uh, do you think he's done with wrestling, or do you think as time goes on maybe he'll if he's feeling better, he'll do what AJ Styles has done, go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, or maybe do some ROH shots here and there. What do you think he's entered to that next step of his career? And he's going to be doing comic books, being a guest on you know, Talking Dead, doing the stuff he's doing now. Where do, you, where do you see Punk over the next couple of years? 
Well, uh, I mean, I'm sure the guy plays his cards close to the chest, but I am very much under the impression that, that Punk, Punk's wrestling days are behind us. I think um, getting hurt sucks, and I think that Punk was hurt a lot, and I think that he's beat up. I think that his, you know, he's, what, a 35-year-old guy, and I think his body probably hurt more than, you know, 99% of, of 35-year-old guys, you know, out there. Um and I think he's, he's made enough money. Like you said, you can look at his bank account and say, I can work at Starbucks for the rest of my life and be fine. So he's made enough from, from wrestling. I think he's between writing comic books and, and, and you know, maybe there's, there's some other things in the works, I guess. He, he was kind of, he was very subtly hinting at it. I mean, I don't even know what he's going to, you know, follow through with. But I think there are plenty of other things out there for Pug. Um, I never say never in the wrestling business. I hate that. I'm sorry to use the cliche, uh, but it's just that's, that's the truth. You never say never. Um, maybe you know, you know. I just I, I have a hard time thinking he would show up in, in New Japan just because the style they work is. It would just beat him up, and he's tired of being beat up. Um, you know, maybe I, I don't. He was never been part of PWG, so not making a return there. I just don't think the Ring of Honor is in a place right now where they can make the most out of Punk coming back. No, I just think common sense at least tells me right now uh, that, that Punk's probably done. If you're the WWE here, Punk has 2.29 million followers on Twitter. He has, uh, he broke iTunes. He is a lot bigger, I think, than maybe the WWE even realized in terms of his popularity. What if you're the WWE? You know they they have the public apology and, and you know they did that and I think they're realizing what. Do you, but what do you do if you're them here in terms of do you as I suggested on Twitter and on other places literally give him as much money as you can and offer him a part time role? Do you? I mean, do you have him on Raw Live? I mean, what do you what do you do here if you're the WWE to try to? either get punked back or, or what's your next move if you're the WWE? If I'm WWE, I let CM Punk be. I move on and I, I do everything I can to improve the product uh, in ways that are in my control because CM Punk is not under their control. Uh, get, get him out of your mind. Just forget about it. It is what it is. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with you maybe that, that Punk is a bigger star than WWE realized. I think that Punk has the potential to be a bigger star than, than WWE realized. Uh, they kind of squandered that. Punk definitely had some some appeal uh, among, and this is going to sound weird, but among some mainstream niches, you know what I mean? Like, Walking Dead fans know who CM Punk is because he does Talking Dead. Wrestling fans know he is because he did wrestling. Comic book fans will know him from that. But he's not a mainstream guy. He's not, um, he's not, he's, you know, he's not an A-list celebrity. He's not even really John Cena level in reality. Um, and because WWE didn't allow him to be, so... I mean, I don't think that WWE should should make a big deal out of him and pursue him aggressively or anything like that. Just let him be. Let time heal the wound if it's going to heal it. And if not, hey, just move on. Don't don't. Uh, it's not worth anybody else getting upset about. And I think the company would look bigger if they just took the high road. Uh, now, one other question for me, at least on the Vince McMahon with Stone Cold. Do you when he, when he brings up stuff like Cesaro? You realize this isn't a totally scripted interview, but do you think that Stone Cold was given questions that he had to ask? Do you think this was any of this stuff was scripted, or do you think this is 100% just off the cuff? 
no holds barred within reason, and he was able to ask anything? Or do you think some of the stuff was there, you know, he knew some of the questions maybe in advance? Uh, no, no, I think so. I, I, I didn't, I don't think so, no. I think that um, Steve Austin probably just went in there with his notebook of questions that probably didn't even get to, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure just a fraction of, of what he probably had on his list. Um, I, I don't think Vince was, was given any, you know, was given any right to pre-approve anything because I don't think Vince, quite frankly, would have pre-approved a lot of that stuff. Um, I think Vince just went in and kind of hoped for the best. But uh, I, I think in terms of preparedness, I do think that, um, there were the reports of the closed door meeting between Triple H and Stephanie and, and, and Vince that went on earlier in the day. I think there's a, a fair share, a uh, fair chance that um, during that meeting that they talked about, okay, here's what's probably going to come up in that interview, and here's how we're going to handle it. Uh, you know, here's the best approach to take. And so, there may have been coaching of Vince, but I don't think Steve Austin had anything to do with it. So, so there's a lot more topics we want to get with uh, talk to you about. And one of them is New Japan Pro Wrestling. So there's something that came out yesterday. New Japan is now going to have a streaming service. Um, I think it's going to cost like $8.45 in America. It's still going to be all in Japanese, uh, but it's going to be similar to the WWE in terms of their shows and having, you know, older, you know, older pay-per-views or older shows. Um, What are your thoughts about this? Um, and do you think, because they directly said, we are competing with the WWE. We are the number two com- wrestling company in the world, and we feel like the service is, is good. And they mentioned the WWE as well. Um, what does it say about the streaming service model? What does it say about New Japan in terms of being able to possibly compete um, in America? Maybe not to a level with the WWE, obviously, but, um, you know, getting subscribers to America. Just what are your overall thoughts? Well, I think, I think first of all, they're, they're setting their bar lower than WWE did, which is smart. Um, I still have some concerns over, um, just over, over, um, in, income, over the payroll and how this is going to affect it. You heard in this CM Punk interview that they didn't figure out ahead of time how the change in, uh, revenue streams and that sort of thing would affect the wrestlers' pay. I, I hope that's something New Japan has worked out. Um, ahead of time. And that's just, you know, my take on, on the business side of it real quickly. But as far as a fan, I mean, I'm very excited about that. It lets you go back and watch a bunch of great shows. Uh, it, it's going to give you live access to, to their monthly pay-per-views, um, which, which are always very consistently great. And yeah, New Japan is the number two wrestling company in the world, bar none. Uh, Product-wise, they're number one. I mean, in my mind, New Japan is the, is the best wrestling promotion on the planet. Um, but obviously, WWE has, has just, I mean, just has, has everything that New Japan kind of wants to have just as far as its popularity and all that kind of thing. Um, and the streaming service, I haven't checked it out yet, so I can't really comment on it. Uh, I'm you know, heading to Japan for three weeks this month, and so I'm, I figured I'd wait until I get back, and then I'll probably dive head first into that. Um, no sense in paying for the month that I'm not really going to be able to use it. So I can't comment on, on anything about the service itself, but all the you know reports I've seen earlier, they have been very favorable that um, it, it, it's a very reliable stream, uh, high quality. Um, a lot of content is there. Obviously, there's a language barrier. And it remains to be seen if they're going to do something about, you know, putting out an English side, if they're serious about, you know, pushing their promotion in the U.S., and I think they'd be wise to. But, um, you know, it's, it's a step towards the future, and I think a lot of industries are realizing that 
uh, streaming is just the way things are going. Now, I became a huge fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling last year during the G1 cl- uh, Climax. Those matches were great. Uh, it was Ishii versus Sabata, which opened my eyes. I, wa- I bought the G1 this year. I've been able to see, you know, through mi- different means, Daily Motion and other stuff to see a lot of the events. I'm really excited about the New Japan uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9 show. Uh, having JR doing the broadcast, I think, is a great first step. Now, what are, what are your expectations in regards to that pay-per-view? Do you think it could do as well as ROH did in their first time around? Or do you think it's whatever they get is just is gravy? It's funny because this is a debate that I've had pretty extensively with Jason and a few people we talk with behind the scenes at ROH, just kind of debating how this is going to go. Um, and, I mean, that's, that's, that's the real question right now. Um, I think the first ROH pay-per-view did 12,000 buys. Um, so, you know, I mean, look, I, I had somebody in ROH who, who is, 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 you know, we have actually a gentleman that's riding on it. Um, he says that, that they're, they're only going to do four to 6,000 pay-per-view buys. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I mean, he's taking the stance that, you know, Ring of Honor's got their TV and, and they just have more exposure in the state. Um, but I don't, and so, you know, naturally they're going to, they're going to outdraw New Japan on pay-per-view. I don't necessarily agree with that because I just think that, um, ROH, it's, it's, as far as the markets it's in, it's got pretty good, pretty good ratings. Um, but I just don't believe that there's that knowledge out there of, of Ring of Honor wrestling. Um, I think New Japan presents themselves as being so big league and so, so professional and so impressive. The production value is off the charts. The workability is off the charts. Having JR on, on the on commentary is going to do a lot for that show. Um, that's another part of the argument that's come up a lot is that, you know, there's there's absolutely zero direct correlation that's been able to be shown between social media, anything, and any sort of revenue. There's just no, you know, there's just, just no correlation. However, the fact that JR has one point whatever million followers on, on on Twitter, he tweets out that guys, I'm returning to wrestling, doing uh, re- returning to wrestling commentary to do this show. I don't think it's that far fetched to say that you get you know five, ten thousand of them willing to buy the show uh, just for that fact alone. Um, and so I I've set my bar at you know like around fifteen thousand buys that may be way over overshooting it. Uh, like I said, the guy on the other side of things is only is probably around five thousand buys. So sorry, I don't have a better answer, but as far as my guess. It, it, it's, it's 15,000, but it's just that it's a guess. Um, five to 15,000 is obviously the reasonable range. Now, uh, this is kind of a two part question, one leading into the other, but being that you were going, you're going into America with this product. And I know that Tanahashi Okada is this great feud for the last couple of years, but I guess with Wrestle Kingdom eight, or I think it was, it might have been seven. I, not a, not hundred percent. Actually, I think it was seven where you initially lost the title. It was seven. Now, do you think going to an American audience, would have you kept the title on AJ to help the American fans knowing somebody? And I guess the second half of that, talking about AJ, do you think he should get rid of the Styles Clash with all the problems with these injuries? Or do you think it's just simply people should duck their head, shouldn't duck their head? Uh, we'll, we'll take the Styles Clash separately. Um, the first question, should, should AJ have, have kept that title? Um, I just don't think so. No. Uh, I... I 
you can say that maybe he could have gone back and he could have been the one to drop it to Okada. But um, I just think that – I don't think they're that worried about the American fans um, enough to keep the title on it for that. I don't think they're going to change their booking necessarily for the American audience. And Tanahashi and Okada is their number one thing right now. It's their biggest thing. Uh, uh, and they told a good story over the last two years. Tanahashi won the title, like you said, at, at Rust Kingdom 7. And then you had last year, uh, Okada was, was the champion, but Tanahashi got the main event of that show, and, and Okada was relegated to the semi-main event status. Could be telling a story where Okada's become the number one guy, but Tanahashi's still hanging on and still kind of keeping him down. And so I think this is the year to tell the proper story and have Okada go over and win that belt. And definitively kind of cements the, the beginning of the Okada era. Um, you guys want to reflect, uh, react to that before I get to the style thing, or should I go right to that? Um, I, I see what you're saying there. I mean, I understand the story, but like I said, the only reason why I thought with AJ is because I think AJ is by far the biggest name that any, if American fans are going to know people in New Japan besides Liger, I think he's most likely the biggest name that the American fans would have. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I can see what they're doing. And Gato and Jado are not going to be asking my advice anytime soon on how to book their promotion. But I was just thinking the idea of, you know, you have Jarrett. And you have, you know, the Bullet Club, and they're so big with with uh, with sales, even here, with T-shirts and hats and everything. I thought it would have been an interesting take, but I I see what you're saying. It's absolutely more than likely the right idea when your main source is the Japanese fans. Yeah, and I mean, even giving that Styles that title for, for the time that he had it, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, Styles is a main event guy over there, bona fide main eventer over there, a superstar, because he held that title for the... He, four or six, eight months that he did. Um, Styles Clash, uh, I, I, people are have very split opinions on this. It's not AJ Styles' fault. Let me say that. It is not his fault, but it is his responsibility. It's not his fault, but it's his responsibility to keep the people he's working with safe. Um, he's a shorter guy. He's doing the move to taller guys. He's getting older. He, I, I'm not sure how much strength he's lost or whatever or how much, you know, leaping ability he's lost. But if you look at him deliver that move, and I know it's, it's a crude comparison. It was kind of an abomination compared to AJ's. But if you look at when Michelle McCool did the style clash, she's so tall and she was working against shorter opponents where there was, you know, a foot or more of clearance between her opponent's head and the mat. AJ does it, and there's three inches maybe of clearance. And I think that's what's really dangerous is where if there's even a, a second of hesitation on the guy taking the move, he's coming down right on the top of his head, and it's going to be that, that nasty crunch bend that we see uh, when guys take it. So I just think because of AJ's size, because of, you know, again, it's not his fault, and maybe it's just three freak accidents, but you can't deny, you know, there have been three pretty major incidents in the last year. There were two or three or four of them during his time in TNA. I know Stephen Richards is one of them. I think Kazarian might have been one of them. Um, it's just it maybe save it for big matches, but get it out of your arsenal uh, as, a, as a regular move. Uh, moving on to the company that's associated with uh, New Japan, which is Ring of Honor oftentimes. Uh, there'll be a couple of uh, New Japan guys on the show, um, the Young Bucks, the Time Splitters. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on this pay-per-view? It's coming up in a couple of days. Uh, Corey, I guess, is going to be attending if he can find his ticket from a few months ago that he bought. What are your thoughts on this pay-per-view? 
especially comparing it to their face first pay-per-view. I really like some of the matches. Um, I don't know if there's a lot in terms of the wow factor for me. I mean, I, uh, we, we think Adam Cole is going to win. Um, I think Red Dragon will win the tag titles or will keep the tag titles, I should say. Um, I can see Jay Lethal keeping the, the, the TV title. Um, just what are your thoughts on the pay-per-view in general? What pay-per-view? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I just, I, 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 you know, it's, it's I mean, I, I, I hate to be negative about it because I'm sure they'll put up in a good show. Ring of Honor almost always delivers. Um, but I mean, I just, I, there is no buzz going into this show. I mean, it was into a rut for, for a large part of, uh, you know, this year and last year, the only real buzz I kind of felt is is when they did those New Japan crossover shows for that first pay-per-view. Um, but, man, has it just gone down to nothing for this show. Um, and wait, honestly, why, why, why is that? I mean, I, I agree. It doesn't seem to be like a wow factor. I mean, I love Adam Cole. He's my dude. I think he's going to be fabulous. We talked about him last time. But it doesn't seem to be, I, I don't know. I've only watched Ring of Honor the last three or four years and some of the shows there was really that wow factor and maybe because kevin steen's not there i'm not sure but i'm not really seeing it where what do you think you're gonna what do you think you attribute that to i just don't know i mean i guess based on some of the, the things i know i blame it on the front office the people that they have in charge of things the booker um i i think that they have a lot they're a lot to to, to you know they have a lot of responsibility here I think that um, the, the promoters, the people who should be going out and promoting and typing this up, have failed miserably. Uh, I haven't seen any commercials for it on TV. I know commercial time is expensive, and there have probably been tons of commercials during Ring of Honor's broadcast. But I just, I mean, if I didn't cover wrestling, I would have no clue that this thing even existed. Um, so, that I mean, and it's not my job. I, I don't mean to cop out, but it's not my job to find out how to get hype on their product or how to promote their product. They need to figure that out. And I need to be wowed by it because I'm the one who's supposed to be buying this show. Uh, I, quite honestly, I think that this show would probably deliver a, a better quality show overall from beginning to end than their first pay-per-view did. I just think their buy rate is going to be uh, minuscule in comparison. I mean, the first one did 12,000. I, I mean, I might put this one at, you know, 5,000 just because of, do people even know what's happening? That's true. I agree. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the main event? Jay Briscoe against Adam Cole specifically um, with the kingdom. I kind of like what they've been doing with him. I think he's been um, fantastic. And um, without him, I think Ring of Honor really could suffer if he leaves at any point. Uh, Do you see them giving him the strap um, and and any other kind of results um, that that you see as far as Red Dragon or the TV title? Um, I... I feel pretty confident in saying that we'll probably see Adam Cole win the title. Uh, I just think that, you know, they just signed him to an exclusive contract, so he's going to be off of the other major indies. I think Jay Briscoe's kind of there with him, but I think of guys remaining in that company, I think Adam Cole carries himself more like a star than anybody else there. Uh, So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Cole win. I think that's going to be a great match. Um, Yeah, I I saw the angle that they did with Adam Cole attacking Papa Briscoe. Um, that was well done. I, I, a little bit of, of a couple of issues with it is I, I think that, um, you know, the attacking family thing, it gets less heat every time. So there's really only so much you can do it. And I also think, I mean, man, Adam Cole comes out there 
and, and I know it's a smart crowd who go to Ring of Honor shows and they want to cheer everybody and that's, you know, for better or for worse, usually for worse, but uh, in, in this case it was for worse. I mean, Adam Cole comes out, so he's supposed to be the main event centerpiece heel, and he comes out his face and he's moving and acting and talking like a baby face until he goes, obviously, it's a very heelish thing to attack Papa Briscoe, but I just, I don't know. I, there's no heat on any of the guys there. Um, the stories they're telling aren't super compelling, so I, to be totally honest, I haven't really even kept up with, with the build to this show. Um, I, I've got my finger on the pulse, but I'm not watching it, you know, super excited about it. Um, I think Red Dragon and the Time Splitters is probably going to be the match of the night on that show. I think they're going to go out there and kill it. Uh, but the Young Bucks and ACH versus the Addiction and Cedric is a very, very appealing match also. I think that'll be the awesome. Uh, before we move on, at least on my end with ROH, what do you think in regards to, uh, now that Michael Elkin is back, they try to make this story on the fact that he's not, not happy being there and they did the same thing with Ciampa, they did the same thing with Taven and everybody else. Do you think that, where, do you, what do you think of the Ciampa versus Elkin match? Do you think that could be a match that we look back on not thinking much of it going in? But when we leave that, it could be a match stealer? Or do you think it's it's just there? Uh, I mean, hopefully I'll be wrong on this. But, uh, I mean, maybe I'm letting my personal views get in the way of things and, and things I've been told. But when I look at Michael Logan and and, uh, and, and Tommaso Ciampa, I mean, I, if, if you were to ask me what two guys on the indie scene take themselves way too seriously and think they're way better than they are, I would tell you Tommaso Ciampa and Michael Logan. Um, they're good, they're talented, they can put on good matches, but they take themselves way too seriously to the point where I just, you just kind of roll your eyes at the both of them. I do anyway. Uh, they're going to go out there and they're going to beat the shit out of each other because that's what they're, they're trying to put over on Twitter that this is a shoot. They don't like each other. Uh, they've been calling each other names on Twitter and one used the other guy's shoot name and this is real heat. And, and I think there is a level of, of real tension between those two guys. And I think that's going to play into the match, and it's going to be stiff as hell. Talk about the stiffest match on the show. That's probably the one. Um, but as far as is it going to steal the show with, with the three other matches I mentioned, I just don't think that, that's very likely. Uh, last thing for me on Ring of Honor. So they're, they're doing the Michael Elgin thing where he's not happy with the company and he's a malcontent. Um, and, you know, it, the Ring of Honor TV, I feel like their TV has changed a lot too. I feel like I liked their presentation a lot more. Um, uh, like a year or two ago, a year and a half ago, when they would do kind of like inside Ring of Honor things that would really highlight certain aspects of the story. Um, but that's just another thing. Um, as far as with Elgin and his, you know, the storyline that they're going through with him, he came out and he cut a promo a few weeks ago, and it just really wasn't awesome. <laughs> and I don't really know where they're going with this storyline in terms of him not liking the company. Like, what is that? What is that? I, I don't know. I'm just not excited about this. Where do you see them going with this, um, with this Michael Elgin storyline? And do you see it? I, I know that you've got your own opinions on him, but do you see it? Do, do you see it leading anywhere with him? No, I, and I don't care where it's going. Quite frankly, I, I, I don't think very highly of Michael Elgin, and, and, and I just I don't think he, he presents a lot. I, I don't think that if he has a lot to offer. Um, as far as the storyline, again, I think it's, he thinks it's way cooler than it is. Uh, I think he thinks he's way bigger deal than he is. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't even know if I'm answering your question with this, but I really don't care. Where is it going? He's probably going to turn heel, and he's probably going to rage against the company or something. 
I don't know. I just, I just I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't really care enough to even kind of try to speculate. I just, I, I, I don't care about Michael Elgin. I just don't care. Now, uh, before we get to your specialty, NXT, I don't know if you watch Lucha Underground or not, but if you had to rank the one-hour alternatives to the WWE slash TNA whenever it does come back, and if it's worth watching at that point, how would you rank them? Do you think NXT, ROH, Lucha, something else out there you can think of? is How would you rank these one-hour alternatives? I'm sorry, you broke up on me a little bit. I get the, the, the uh, question, but NXT, Lucha Underground, any other ones to throw in there? Just Ring of Honor, maybe? Ring of Honor, you know, the one-hour shows, which we've spoken on the on the podcast, that I think the one-hour format has been really effective for, like, NXT and Lucha, and I'm not sure how good they would be if they were two-hour or disaster-wise, again, three-hour broadcasts. No. But what? how would you rank them? What do you think is... The best of the three, I guess. Well, I, I will give you an answer, but I think that I think that you kind of said it. Um, with most of these shows, it's just the fact that it's one hour and it's consistent and it's entertaining. I think that all of the one-hour shows are, are are delivering better than any of the two or three-hour shows. I just think that you know, aside from you know the NXT specials or, or whatever with two hours, but if you're talking the weekly one-hour shows. Um, they're all very, very good, and they're very entertaining, easy to watch, because all three of them are just, again, it's so concise, it's so consistent, and, and it's one hour of your time. That's not a lot of time to dedicate, uh, doesn't, you know, barge in on other stuff. As far as what's the best, <coughs> different different criteria, I guess. So I, I, I can't give you a definitive answer. In my mind, I still love NXT. Um, there's some things about it I'm seeing that it's starting to fall into a little bit of a rut, and I'm getting frustrated with. But I still think that um, – I think I just like the fact that I'm seeing indie guys that I know coming in there and, and they're getting geared up for, for the main roster. I think that kind of adds a lot to my enjoyment of NXT. Whereas Lucha Underground, if you just want a variety, like it's just a, a totally different flavor of wrestling and wrestling products than we've seen here, I think that's, that's the one. Um, I, I think that's probably the best overall consistently so far. Uh, and I say that having only seen the first three shows. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Ring of Honor is Ring of Honor. You're going to get some really good wrestling, but you're not going to get good storytelling or anything like that. Um, you're going to get consistent, good storytelling, character development, pretty decent matches in Lucha Underground. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I would put uh, Lucha Underground as one, NXT as, as number two. Um, but in my mind, I still love my NXT. Now, I said this on the show. I said it almost kiddingly, but really serious. I got to leave Lucha Underground a ton of credit. Would, did you ever think in the year 2014 you would actually care about Chavo Guerrero Jr. again? I mean, they've made characters that I haven't cared about in a decade actually seem interesting. And like I said, the main guy, Chavo, it's good to see John Morrison or Johnny Mundo, seeing uh, Prince Puma, who's I think maybe the best guy not signed by a major company, and Ricochet. I mean, what's your opinion on that? Uh, maybe a little bit of a different opinion opinion than you. Uh, I I despise Chavo Guerrero. Uh, I, I haven't seen this heel turn of his play out, so I may be completely swayed the other way. But I just think that I I do not enjoy anything about Chavo. And from what I've heard behind the scenes, he's uh, he's trying to, to to tell the guys to work more of a WWE style. 
And that's not what Lucha Underground needs at all. Maybe it's what Chavo Guerrero needs to keep hanging in there. Uh, but as far as what Lucha Underground needs, they don't need anything like that. So I think behind the scenes, he's being a hindrance. I think that he's a charisma vacuum, at least his babyface version. I haven't seen the heel turn. Um, I, I'm sick of him dragging Eddie's name through the mud. Uh, I think Chavo Guerrero is kind of a bad example, but um, I, I don't enjoy anything about him. I think Johnny Mundo, it's cool to see him back in there. He could have changed up a little bit, a little bit, though. I mean, he's the exact same he was in WWE. He still looks like he's uh, going out there and play fighting as opposed to really fighting. Um, so, I mean, I still think that all the things that held him back in WWE, he's still, he hasn't improved on any of them. He's just brought those to Lucha Underground, and, and he's doing okay with it. And I totally agree with you on Prince Puma. I think WWE had him in for a tryout. They told him not at this time. I think they're absurd for saying that because I think that not to take anything away from Adrian Neville, but everything Adrian Neville brings to the table, aside from the international flavor, I think uh, Ricochet uh, does, you know, by by one and a half times. I just, I, I, I think so highly of Ricochet. Um, you noted a couple of things. So, um, as far as NXT goes, obviously you're a big NXT guy. We know that. So are Corey and I. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to start off with a negative. You did mention some frustrations you had with the, with NXT. Um, obviously, they've got this big show coming up that, um, you know, Corey and I are excited about. Uh, but first, what are some of the frustrations that you feel um, are on the NXT show? They just rely on a lot of filler. You know, they do a great job with the main event, uh, whatever the main event angle of the show is going to be at the main event match. They always do a great job there. Um, hit or miss with the ladies in the tag team division, especially lately. There was a time where their tag team division was completely non-existent, just dominated by the Ascension and a bunch of jobbers. And, and the women's division was in a good place. I kind of, I'm a little bit concerned that I, I think it could very quickly turn around, but I have not been impressed by the builds of Charlotte and Sasha uh, coming up with this next live special. So I think the women's division has taken a step back. I think the tag team division is, is more existent than it was six months ago, but I don't think that um, they're doing a great job with it. Um, so if you know, if you ask what, what frustrates me about NXT, it's just the 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 abundance of filler and the lack of people who actually matter. I could you know count on one hand the people who actually matter. Uh, you know maybe not, but I mean you, you have you know the main event guys. You have Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville, Tyson Kidd. I guess it's Tommy and Balor matter now. The ascensions still kind of matter, and then there's everybody else. You know what I mean? I guess Charlotte matters. Uh, maybe Bailey and Sasha to a lesser extent, but everybody, it feels like, it just feels like there's a big drop off between the guys who matter and everyone else. And I think they could do a better job of, of bridging that gap, using less filler and taking the time that they're giving to that filler and actually doing something with it, making somebody matter or trying to get somebody over with that. Yeah, it definitely seems like from watching the show, I agree with you. It, it, you're either a main event type of person or a jobber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have those those couple of guys come out every week. Um, I forget what their names Ty are. The Dillinger? guys in the, the trucker hats. Who? Ty Dillinger is one of them? No, uh, those guys too. But they have like the Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan, and then they had the two guys in the trucker hats. And the mechanics guy, come out, the mechanics <laughs> come out, and then you have uh, Blake, Mur uh, Blake uh, Murphy and Blake, whatever the hell yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are losing every match. But they have yeah. potential. 
Yeah, I think the other two, D- Dillinger and Jordan, have, I mean, they're good athletes. But you know every week they're coming out, they have no chance to win the match. <laughs> every week they're coming out like they're going to lose. You know what I mean? Um, what about your level of excitement for this show in particular? Um, we've got some, you know, pretty interesting matches. I love Sasha. I'm, I'm excited for that match. Um, we've got Neville and, and Sami Zayn again. I, I think maybe Sami Zayn finally goes over. Um, Ascension and uh, Baylor and Otami. Uh, what, what are your, uh, you know, obviously in the debut of Kevin Steen slash Kevin Owens, um, what are you most excited about in the show? Uh, what are some things you're looking forward to? I think you touched on just about all of them. I mean, what am I most looking forward to? The main event. I think that they're, if they give them 18 to 25 minutes to go out there and put on the main event match, I think we're going to get the match of the year. Uh, so, I mean, I just, I, I'm looking so for It's just a pleasure to watch those two when they get together in the ring. Um, and so I'm looking so, so forward to that. Uh, as far as other things, obviously the Kevin Owens debut. Very curious to see how he shows up. Maybe I kind of, uh, I'll come back to that in a second. Um, actually kind of throw a question your guys' way. Um, I, I, I'm to a little bit of a lesser extent excited about Tommy and Balor versus the Ascension because uh, they can't give them a lot of time. I think Tommy and Balor could potentially have a great match, but I just think we've, we've really seen the Ascension hit their ceiling. And so what, how good of a match can they go out there and really drag out of the Ascension? I think you know, can you let them go more than seven to ten minutes? Maybe give them twelve, but that's definitely pushing it for the attention. So I have some concerns about that. Um, it's a big drop off from there. I, I, I was okay with the idea of Sasha and Charlotte because I think it's time for Sasha to be taken a little bit more seriously. But the build has been very lackluster for that. It's been more, it's been more of a of a feud between Bailey and and, and Sasha and Becky. Um, with Charlotte just once in a while, you know, standing up for, for Bailey. So, you know, not high on that. Take the entire match might be a pleasant surprise, but, um, you know, I, I don't have any reason to be super optimistic about the tag team division right now. And, uh, what else are they going to squeeze on there? I'm, I maybe we'll get, uh, Bull Dempsey and, and, uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Who, who's the new, the lone wolf guy? Uh, Corbin. Um, uh, uh, Baron Corbin. So we may see those two. Um, but I can't really say I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, definitely looking most forward to the main event. But let me, I want to ask you guys, how do you want to see Kevin Owens debut? I'm actually, I want him to go against, uh, Murphy <laughs> or Ty Dillon. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, they can't, they should probably just go have him go out there and kill somebody. Just beat, just beat a dude up for two minutes. Have him go over strong. Well, I mean, I guess as a as a fan of of ROH and a fan of well, I think maybe the best feud in wrestling a couple of years ago, El Generico and Kevin Steen. I think if you're gonna either way, I think the last image you see on that show should be either Steen costing Zane the match and starting a feud because you know the two of them work so well together, or you have. Steen go, and after he wins the title, go and take him out. I mean, I think that last image should be Steen laying out Sami Zayn because you know they have such a great history together. I think that's a great way to get them both started. But don't you think they'd be taking Steen away from from Sami Zayn if they do that? I feel like that's too much. I feel like this should be about this night, assuming Sami Zayn wins, should be about him winning. 
not setting up the next thing necessarily. Uh, yeah. what, 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 what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, if I can jump in, I think, I think um, you know, it, I was definitely in line with Corey's uh, line of thinking up until last week's show. I think that when they showed his family on the screen and they said that, you know, his family comes first in his life, fighting comes second, and proving people wrong comes third, and he's gonna do he's going to do number two to provide for number one, and he's going to do number three while he's doing it. I mean, I just think that, that's a baby-faced character by, by just by the numbers. I mean, it's it's a baby-faced character. He's fighting for his family. You can't boo a guy going out there and fighting for his family. So I was in line thinking that he was going to be involved in the main event and, and end up costing Sami Zayn the match or, or, or coming out and attacking him afterwards. But after seeing him talk about his family, I have a hard time believing that they're going to go right to top baby-faced Zayn versus a family man heel steam. I just have a hard time seeing that. So... I'm leaning more towards either he does something to come out and actually save Sami Zayn, maybe from an attack post match or something like that, or um, or he just comes out and, and wins the, the standard debut squash, which may not be the most buzzworthy, but um, I don't know. I think they're going to get into the top of that show pretty quickly. I just I, I kind of came away from this week's vignette thinking that he's got to be a babyface if he's fighting for his family. I, I agree with you. The other thing is, in in terms of playing to the crowd. The crowd is not going to want to boo this guy. Right, so, right. That's fair. And I, so I think if he comes out and he is, is on Zane, I don't think the fans are really going to know what the hell to do. So I don't know if they, you know, maybe it could be a respect thing where he comes out and maybe challenges him in a respectful way. But we're kind of seeing that with Neville um, in terms of kind of a respect, you know, baby, two baby faces going against each other feud. Um, we think Neville, I could see Neville turning, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I, I see more of a, I see him staying away from Zane for a little bit and him maybe enjoying this run and maybe having a feud with Neville. Um, so we've seen the debut of several NXT guys into the main roster, and we discussed this a little bit the last time we had you on, and there's been some developments, like the bunny and, um, <laughs> Uh, the the Adam Rose character basically, you know, I don't know how much longer he's got in the main roster. Um, Bo Dallas is gone. I don't know what happened to him. Um, he's no longer with us or whatever. I'm not sure what happened to him. And so some of these debuts have not been awesome and have not really worked out. Do, do you think that this is going to make the WWE more careful in terms of bringing guys in and, and how they debut them? I mean, I can hope so, right? Uh, I, I don't know how much confidence I have in that, but I, I hope they learn from their mistakes. Um, I just, I, there was, I mean, there was questions at the time, like, are these really the two guys to be calling up from NXT? And the, the answer was no, those weren't the guys who needed to be called up from NXT. Um, Adam Rose had just made a very, very, you know, uh, 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 strong character transition from, you know, Leo Kruger to Adam Rose, and he had one month you know, one set, maybe two sets of tapings to work on that character, and he was on the main roster with no idea how to get it over. Bo Dallas, uh, it was something that got over in the NXT crowd because it it, it became it, it grew organically from him being flat out rejected uh, to, to him becoming a, a great, very entertaining main event heel. Um, but I just think that that's the NXT environment, and and, and it was WWE misjudging it and uh, a completely different. You know, you've got a handful of guys putting together the shows in NXT, and they're putting together 
four one-hour shows one night per month. Whereas on the main roster, you've got so many writers, so many wrestlers, so much time to fill, so many things to just pull your attention each way that uh, guys get lost in the shuffle. And, and I think that the fact that um, it's that environment where guys get lost in the shuffle, combined with Bo and Adam Rose not being the guys that, that should be in that spot. Uh, and, and yeah, it's been pretty disastrous. Um, kind of has me nervous to, to, to be optimistic about other guys getting called up. I can certainly hope so, but um, I just really hope they've learned from their mistakes. Now, let's. I guess we could take this full circle with this question, actually, starting from where we basically started from this beginning of the show. But how much do you think the actions of Punk, the lack of durability of Daniel, Daniel Bryant, Cesaro, at least in the company's opinion, not having personality, how much do you think that's going to hurt guys like Kevin Steen, an El Generico, guys who, you know, maybe a Pac, guys who are internet darlings, now that, you know, these guys who were the internet darlings beforehand, have some of them have failed. Do you think there's any correlation, or do you think I'm jumping way too much to a conclusion over here? Hopefully you're jumping to too much of a conclusion. I think it is. Um, I just think that you, 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 can't, you can't say it like that. I mean, it's just not the way it is, because... Then there's the guys who they want to get over really badly, and they might not get over. I mean, Roman Reigns has been has been pretty mediocre, uh, you know, ever since the Shield split up. As much as they're trying to, to, you know, as much as they have the rocket up his ass, and they're trying to shoot him to the moon. I just think that the fans dictate what gets over. The company provides the platform, and they can try to dictate it, but they just don't. It's what the fans want to see. So, as far as is the company going to be more cautious about giving guys with a big internet reputation uh, a chance. Maybe in the sense that they'll try to knock them down a little bit. They don't want them to have that CM Punk sense of entitlement. But if they're smart, they won't do that because then they'll have what they have right now, which is a bunch of scared people running around backstage just trying to keep their jobs and not get themselves into trouble and not get punished. Um, so I think it's a, it's a tricky question. I'm not inside WWE, so I can't see you know, what what the discussions going on are. But I think if they're at all reasonable, they're going to go with the guys who will make them money. They're obviously going to have their guys who they perceive as, as the guys they want to be stars. And hey, if it works out, great. But I think they really need to be willing to go with the guys who the fans like because, uh, you know, that's kind of what it comes down to. Now, I think most people think, just like my partner, thinks that Sami Zayn, El Generico, is going to win a title on Thursday, if he does win the title, do you think uh, Neville, a.k.a. Pac, will be on the main roster right away? Or do you think with this heel character that they're starting to slowly show, do you think he'll be down in NXT a while so he can grow that character some more? Do you think basically, basically what I'm asking you is, if he drops the title, do you think we see him on Raw in the next couple of weeks? You know, it's a good question. And, and, and I just don't feel super confident either way, to be honest. Uh, if they're going to keep him as a babyface and he just took uh, a little bit of a heelist edge against um, against Zayn in this feud, then then if he, if he stays babyface, then sure, they can call him up to the main roster and have him do this, and he'll be just fine. But if they're going to have him turn heel, I think he needs some more time to get used to that character. What do I foresee happening? Uh, oh, boy. I mean, I, I really just have a tough time saying. 
I think that um, if he does drop the title, I don't think it'll be too long before we see him on the main roster. I don't know that one is going to, you know, okay, he's, he's that title's off. Of, I don't think they're going to take the title off of him to call him up to the main roster, but I think that once he drops it, it, it might be more likely. But, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen, I guess. So we know the Ascension is on their way, apparently. Um, there's been vignette shot, and, you know, we should be seeing them at some point. I'm not going to ask you about the Ascension because I don't really care about them. <laughs> other, other than the Ascension, I think they're I think they're horrible. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I think they're really bad. They're bad on the mic. They're not good in the ring. I don't know. I don't get it. But um, other than those guys, who do you – because we talked about Neville being on, on the, the – coming up to the main roster. Let's take Neville and the Ascension out of it. And assume those guys will be coming up relatively soon. One, how do you think they bring Neville in? Uh, what do you think they, they do with him? Do you think they would kind of change his character, kind of make him like an Evan Bourne, just an exciting guy for the fans? And two, who other than Neville, who else do you see being the, uh, another person that would come up on the main roster? Um, you know, who, who do you see coming up on the horizon? Well, I think that Sami Zayn is obviously going to be a big star. They gave us just, you know, a, a sip of water there uh, for a couple of weeks against the kid up main event, and I think uh, I think he exceeded their expectations. I think he probably impressed. So I think Sami Zayn is definitely going to be a big star. I think he's going to be one of those guys, maybe similar to Dan O'Brien, where Vince looks at him and goes, this guy, then the crowd gets really behind him, and so they kind of are forced to do something with him. Uh, other guys... I, I am still absolutely convinced that Finn Balor is a superstar. I think that Finn Balor is going to be probably, I mean, unless, you know, Bray Wyatt comes through big or Zayn or Neville breaks the ceiling that I think that I think they'll have, uh, I think Finn Balor is probably going to be the biggest thing to come out of NXT when he does. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about Hideo Itami. I have some real concerns after watching his first couple of months. Uh, I, I, I don't think Tyler Breeze is ready. Boy, uh, there's just not a lot of people I can look at and say that those guys belong on the main roster, aside from the very top tier of guys. And, and, I, and I think I touched on that between yeah, Eller and Zane. Uh, kids, I think Kid has shown enough in NXT where he's getting a little bit of a chance on, on the main roster already. Other than that, it's, I mean, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's a real big drop-off between the main event guys in NXT and, uh, and, and, and the guys who just are there. Um, maybe when we see Kevin Owens show up, there's another name to add to the list. Solomon Crow, I'd like to think so, but God, they've kept him off Bennett TV for so long. They've had him for well over a year and they haven't done a thing with him. So I, I, I you know, I, I'm kind of frustrated about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just not a ton of guys to call up and make superstars out of. Uh, how is Adrian Neville going to be portrayed? I, I, kind of have some fears that they're really not going to know what to do with him and so he's just going to be the super impressive guy uh, doing high flying and stuff and, so, and then they'll get yeah and then they'll get bored with him um, and hopefully not but I think that's probably realistic because he's got limited personality so I have some concerns I think he'll be very impressive but I, I have concerns about how far they'll let him go uh, what do you think of uh, the New York basically uh, Jersey Shore I mean uh, Cassidy just forgot their names. That's that's great. Uh, Enzo, Enzo, thank and, you. And Big Cass. 
Yeah, do you think that they could have do something on the main on the main roster as a comedy tag team, or do you think it's an? Do you think this is just something that the NXT crowd has taken as their own, and it could be like an Emma and other things that the main roster just can't get into? I think it's definitely closer to something that that the NXT has just taken and made their own. Um, I think that you know the whole SAWFT thing. I think it would get to the main roster, and it might just kind of fall flat. I think Enzo is good enough on the microphone that he could go out there and, and get himself over to the extent that, you know, he's the guy you look forward to coming out and talking a couple lines of trash and making you chuckle a little bit, and then he gets his bluff kick. I think that's probably the most realistic route for him. Uh, but as far as, like, being a main roster tag team, I, I don't think it's very realistic. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I like Enzo a lot. I like Big, Big Cass a lot in terms of just that duo, and I think they could be kind of a, a comedy tag team. I don't really see much else from them, to be honest with you. Uh, they got this Carmella girl. She seems to be okay. Um, we'll, I think we'll kind of nice see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So with Kevin Owens, he, he's, the, it, it, he's the guy to me. Um, he's the guy to break through, I, I think. And I love Prince Devitt. Uh, slash Finn Balor, too. He just kind of has that, that look about him. But I think if there's one guy to really get the audience, I, I think it's Kevin Owens. I think he can be the guy over the next year or so to see how they build them, how they market them, and what they do with them in NXT and on the main roster, who could really be the standout the standout guy to be a future future world champion, in my opinion. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, one is, is the kind of everyman brawler. He looks like he just got up off the couch, got done eating a piece of pizza, and then now he's going to come fight you. And I think that that might hold him back in a lot of people's eyes in the WWE main office, but maybe the fans will be able to relate to him, sure. Whereas Finn Balor, he's a little bit smaller, I guess, but he's got the body, he's got the look. I mean, dude's a, a, a freaking Armani exchange model, so he's got the look. Ladies are going to love him. The guys are going to love the way he wrestles. I think we, we only got to hear one line of promo from him last week, and but I think he came across pretty smooth and more composed than I expected him to. Yeah, his promo was awesome last week. Yeah, I mean, it was short and simple, but it, it came across well. Um, so I just I, I think, yeah, Kevin Owens definitely is, is, it has the potential to be a big star, but I just think if you're looking complete package, I just I can't overlook Finn Balor. I just think there, there's nothing that Finn Balor doesn't bring to the table. Uh. Last thing on NXT, your boss, Jason Powell, was on the JR's uh, podcast, I guess, about a month ago. And the person that JR thought would be the biggest star or the most, I don't know if he said most ready, to come up to the main roster. And I don't know if we overlook her because she's a, a women's wrestler, diva, even though I don't like that title. Charlotte, what's your opinion on Charlotte? Uh Still not ready yet, as much as people are like, oh, she's going to be the next big superstar. I still, I still think she's got uh, a little bit more time would serve her very well before calling up the main roster. That said, I mean, the, the where Charlotte has come in the last year is just, it, it's, she's a phenom. I mean, she's really unbelievable. If you go back and watch some of her early matches, I mean, dismal, absolutely dismal. Uh, but, I mean, you watch her now, and she is, she's, she's, I think she's probably the best girl on NXT right now. I mean, she's she's got her kind of her 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 
things that she kind of goes to a little bit too often that I think she needs to work on, maybe add a little bit more to her repertoire. Wow. Just work on, but, but I, I think that's all stuff, like I said, that she can work on in the next little bit in NXT. But if you look at the, the, the improvement that she's made in the, in, since she showed up, it's just, uh, I mean, it's unlike anything ever, I, maybe Kurt Angle's the exception to that. Um, God, as I just try to run down the mental list, I, I don't, I really can't think of anybody who's ever gone from, from complete, you know, completely clueless to, uh, incredibly talented faster than Charlotte has. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like Charlotte a lot. Uh, Sasha's probably my girl in terms of the, uh, women's wrestlers. Uh, but I do think Charlotte has a lot of potential. One last thing for me, and thank you so much for, for all the time that you're giving us. Um, we may or may not have had a technical snafu and Zach <laughs> hung in there with us. Um, I, I don't know how much you follow the product, but I'm going to ask you about it anyway because it's the one company we've kind of left out. I don't count Global Force Wrestling because they currently don't have any wrestlers on their roster. Um, Impact Wrestling. Uh, hopefully they call it Impact Wrestling, by the way. The TNA thing is stupid. Um, it's for Impact Wrestling, Destination America. Um, apparently Mike Tanay is no longer going to be the announcer. It's going to be Josh Matthews. Is there any excitement that you have right now for the product in terms of what they're going to do and, you know, what you see them doing with Destination America? Or is this more nope. of a whole hum thing for you? Yeah, nope. I mean, simple answer to your question, does anything about excite me? Nope. Um, I gave up on TNA earlier this year. Haven't looked back since. I'm, I'm, I'm all the better for it. I'm, You know, the wrestling side of my life is less stressful. I spend less time wondering how people are putting out a product like this. Hey, believe me, I still spend three hours during Raw wondering how people put out a product like this. I think it's okay. But it's not five hours a week like it was when it was Raw and uh, TNA. So I, my life is better for not following TNA. Um, I'm not going to pick back up when they come back on the air. If I hear good things, I'll go back and watch the stuff I missed. If it's worth watching, and I'll get back into it. But uh, until I see that change, Dixie Carter is still the head of that company, and I think that is the change that needs to be made. You can change all of the on-screen personnel you want. You can change all, all the writers you want. But when you have Dixie keeping her thumb on everything and having her say in everything and demanding that she be a part of everything, I think the company has has has, a, has just terrible, terrible potential. There's terrible uh, – they just have no clue. Dixie has no clue. She has no business being in that position as long as she's there and demands to be as involved with the product as she is. I just have no hope for that company. But I, I hope for the best for them because competition is good for the wrestling business. I would enjoy to have more good American wrestling to, to, to keep track of, but um, I will not be tuning in until I hear that there have been serious changes made and it is a new product. Uh, last thing on my end, over the next basically 10 days, there's going to be three, three shows. There's going to be Ring of Honor, NXT, and TLC. I think more than likely the best of the three shows will be NXT, but... For all the information on all three of those shows, everyone should go and follow Zach Zimmerman, Jason Powell, and the rest of the staff of ProWrestling.net for the latest information. I'm sure it's going to be a really busy week for, for you guys, and I just want to give you the floor before we let you go, and thank you very much for your time, to once again let people know how they can become a member of ProWrestling.net. 
just uh, go to the website. I mean, you, there's, there's a free free website for everybody to check out. It's ad-based if you have to deal with the, the ads, maybe come pop-ups here or there, but I guess there are worse things in life. Um, but if you like what you see there and you get, we give you a little taste of the audio. Um, all the new content that's there is up on the member side. Sometimes members get it a little bit earlier. When it's first run new, members always get it a little bit earlier. Um, but there is a free side, so if you just want to check that out. But if you like what you see, you like the taste you get, there's a membership side of things. I think it's like $7.50 a month. If you go back and listen to Jason Powell on JR's podcast, there's, there's actually a code in there. So you can get a dollar for a month. Just try it out if you want to. I think that's probably still active. Um, but, uh, yeah, we give you tons more audio reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact, and that returns all the pay-per-views. We do um, Will and Jake Barnett. Will Pruitt and Jake Barnett get together and do a countdown every week. fun discussion. Um, we get the .NET Weekly Audio Show, which is the big major news. Like I said, I'll be joining Jason Powell for that this week. We'll talk Vince McMahon, CM Punk, all the good stuff that's going on. Uh, I was a member before I wrote for the site, uh, so I highly recommend it. I, uh, we, we try hard to give you guys your money's worth, and uh, hopefully we do it. So ProWrestling.net and uh, check out the membership side of things if you like what you see. Well, like always, thank you very much for coming on today, Zach. As my partner, who's a Packers fan, I know is gone giddy with the big win. I'm glad for both no, of you guys. We look, we look awesome. We look. <laughs> listen, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I've watched this team for 25 years, and I'm always very nervous about them. We played the Jets about four years ago, and we beat them nine to nothing. And I remember I said to somebody, "The where defense played, we could win the Super Bowl." I felt the same way watching them against the Patriots on Sunday. I think if we get home field advantage, we can absolutely win the Super Bowl. Home field advantage for sure. Packers defense can be really hit or miss. Lately, they've been really hit, which has been very lucky for us. Offense is clicking on all cylinders. So uh, you're hoping they keep the momentum up through the playoffs and like said, into the Super Bowl. Well, like I said, have, have go a back go. Go back up. Well, have a great trip to uh, Japan and enjoy the show. We wish we could be there in person, but we will go and talk to you again in, uh, as soon as we can. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Zach. Take care, guys. It's always fun. Uh, it seems to me guys and gals backstage are walking on eggshells. They're trepidatious. They're a little afraid to really go out on a limb because there is no other option. And no, if, if they piss somebody, if they tick somebody off right. here, right. well, then, you know, there goes their career. Well, don't piss anybody off. I pissed a lot of people off. I, had <laughs> I know you have. That, 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 that's I my, right. I wanted to challenge the locker room. Well, you I, you got know, a bunch, go ahead. I, you know, you have, this is a different group of guys and gals. It's millennials. You know, they're, they're not as ambitious, quite frankly, um, and they're not trepidatious at all. I just don't think they necessarily want to reach for that brass ring. The last person who really reached for that brass ring in all likelihood was John Cena. Now, there are others coming up now who definitely want to reach for it. Ambrose is one of them. Seth Rollins is another one. Roman Reigns is another one. Bray's another one. So I think you've got some people here who are chomping at the bit to make a difference. But when you're walking around, you know, backstage, you don't hear as much, you know, uh, camaraderie perhaps and laughter as in your era. Shenanigans. Before we get out of here today, I just wanted to quickly just let everybody once again know that uh, Final Battle 2014 will be on pay-per-view this Sunday, 12-7-14. For Ring of Honor, I will be there. I found my ticket. Uh, I really am looking forward to the top of this card. Jay Briscoe, 
versus Adam Cole for the ROH title. Fight without honor match, I think, will be very good. I do agree with uh, Jay and Zach that Jay Briscoe will win, will not retain the title. Adam Cole will win the title again. ROH World Tag Team Championships, I agree. Red Dragon will have the title. I think it could be one of the best matches of the year. These two teams have had two matches already, and I they're one and one, and I thought those are two of the better matches that I've seen in a while. ROH World TV Championship match, Jay Lethal versus Matt Seidel. I think it should be a fun match. I think that Matt Seidel has something to prove. He's had some good matches since his return. I think Jay Lethal has really embraced this character as a heel and a guy who, a few months back when he did make the turn, I didn't see him being a great heel because I just thought he was such a good babyface, but he's really shown something really good with this. And uh, the last match that I'm really interested in is the six-man tag match, which you really didn't get a chance to talk that much with Zach about. But the Young Bucks and ACH, three of the most entertaining guys you'll see on any show, versus the Addiction, which is, of course, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, who were in TNA for quite a long time will be teaming with Cedric Alexander. I think this has a very good possibility of being the best match on the card. I think this could really steal the show. I know Zach disagrees in regards to Elkin and Ciampa. He thinks they're both too into themselves and a little overrated. But I think that could be a good good match. No, no real interest in R.D. Evans versus Moose. I think that's just filler. I think Moose will most likely win that match, you know, maybe 60 seconds, maybe a minute and a half. And uh, Mentor versus Student, I really have enjoyed the growth of Adam Page from being this guy who they've taken advantage of the decade and now has kind of stepped up and trying to earn his stripes. I don't know how good Adam Page can be in the long run, but if anybody who can bring out a good performance from Adam Page and show that he deserves to be on the next level is... Roderick Strong, I mean, I don't know what Roderick Strong's motivation is at this point. Is it just to show WWE that they're wrong and he's ready to be there? I mean, I think Roderick Strong has done almost everything he can in ROH. But I really do hope for a good match, and I think this should be, on paper, a good show. On their website, signed to appear also are Mark Briscoe, Jimmy Jacobs, BJ Whitner, Whitner, and Hanson. So I think this should be a good show. Like anytime you get to see the Young Bucks and Adam, the Adam Coles of the world, the Red, Red Dragon, I think that's an awesome idea. I mean, I I don't see them doing nearly as well on pay per view as they with the first show, but I do see them doing okay. And I think it's a nice another building step in this with Sinclair, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll most likely see the show by the time that we do our next one. I think Jay is more likely going to go and buy the show on traditional pay-per-view. And you know what? I think that this might be a show that no one realizes is going on because of the lack of word of, of, you know, of how they've built it. But I think word of mouth with Ring of Honor, with their fans, I think they'll at least have a good showing. And I think it's going to be a really lively, fun show in person, which with Ring of Honor and especially with a lot of these independent promotions... 
the fans really make these can make these shows either great or just average. Because if you have a hot crowd, these performers giving it everything they have, you can have a very good show. Uh, before we get out of here, I guess you'll just mention that I like you know everyone else at times isn't sure what you can and can't believe because like we do we follow a scripted product but I think that this Thursday is going to be really interesting in regards to CM Punk with part 2 on the art of wrestling I guess episode 227 hopefully for Copabana's sake it breaks the internet again but if I were you I'd go and most likely try to download this episode as fast as possible and hopefully you know iTunes will have it figured out this time um, if you're wondering why you're not hearing Jay right now, we had some problems when we did the show initially in regards to taping an outro, but, uh, Jay's doing fine. Me and him are cool. Nothing has happened. Jay will be back on the show next week, just with me. And, uh, hopefully we have some interesting stuff to talk about in regards to the Slammies. Hopefully it's not a disaster, but you know what? You never know. And it's going to be a little hard to follow up Vince McMahon and Stone Cold with uh, with, Seth, with Seth Green and a bunch of random awards that no one's going to really care about, especially the fact that Brock Lesnar appears to be taken off of this show. Usually at this time, Jason would go and give all the plugs, but like I said, Jason's not here at this particular moment, so I'm going to do my best not to screw these up too badly. First, I would like to... Uh, let you guys know about our weekly sponsor, Punch Apparel, which you can go to punch.co, so P-U-N-C dot C-O. They have some great products out there, t-shirts, sweatshirts, with uh, some really cool stuff from Muhammad Ali to, uh, to Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Some great stuff they pick up for the holidays. If you go, when you go and go to checkout, put in the promotion code SHOOT, S-H-O-O-T, in capital letters, all caps, or it won't work, and you'll get 15% off. So that's, at checkout, put in, under the promo code, S-H-O-O-T, in capital letters, and you'll get 15% off your total purchase. Once again, if you would like to go and continue to follow us on Twitter, you can check out primarily Jason, but every once in a while I'll go under it at Worked Shoot Pod. And my personal Twitter is Paladin808. If you want to check us out on Facebook and join our group, it's facebook.com slash the Worked Shoot Podcast. If you want to get a hold of us by email to give your opinion on the show or maybe have maybe some suggestions on possible topics or maybe a guest that within reason you'd like to maybe three of us try to get, you can contact us, workedshootpodcast at gmail.com. Go to our website directly, workedshoot.podomatic.com. And, of course, we love that you go and visit us on our official site, workshoot.podomatic.com, but you could also listen to us and give us reviews on iTunes, which has been done from people like Henry Maldonado, 
A.D. Suarez, uh, Andrew, who I've been able to speak to on Twitter. And Andrew, keep up the great work of bringing our product out there. We really do appreciate it. But also now we're on Stitcher. Uh, we're also on Windows Phones 7, 8, and Zoom, which we just got on to this past week. Working on trying to get this product out to every way known so we can. So now not everyone has a Apple phone or iTunes. So we're now on, like I said, Stitcher. And for people, Windows phones, we're on Zoom. So we're going to continue to try to keep you updated on how you can go and find our product. And whatever review you give us, good or bad, we do appreciate the feedback. And we'll continue to try to give you the best product possible. But uh, I'm sure you guys have heard more than enough from me this week. So for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. We'll see you next week. Thank you as always. Give me what it takes now. Praise.